Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello everyone. I am Leif Hetland and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And I'm so excited. I have this great honor of introducing you to a new friend. I actually just met Cody a few weeks ago when we were in Castro, Colorado from our, for our family gathering. What we did, we call it the uh, yeah, Unite 22, which was the Love Awakening 22. So it was so exciting. When I saw Cody, I realized he has a story and talk both to him and his pastor and was able to get a couple of hugs and, and talk a little bit. And then my assistant, David Cho, just said, wow, that this, this story of Cody, it, it, other people, they need to hear it uh, because Jesus would be glorified. So welcome, Cody. It is hey, thank you. such an honor. And I just want to take a few moments. What did you feel about the event and the conference? Did God do anything for you while you were there in, <laughs> at Castle Rock? Yeah, yeah. So they... Uh... It was the first night they did a call for evangelists and my pastor drug me up to the front. I was laying on the ground weeping for an hour, praise God, (laughs) and then met David and I feel like the Lord made a lot of really good connections over that weekend, man. I feel like it was pivotal for my next season, honestly. That is so beautiful. I want you just to take a few moments, and I think already people just looking at you on the screen here, uh, you, you you do not look like the average churchgoer, and uh, just kind of a basic. So I didn't have to have the gift of discernment to see that. Then, and so so I know that you have a story behind it. But do you mind just sharing a little bit of your upbringing, your story, and eventually leading through some of the journey in life, and then we're going to get to how you met to Jesus. But just share a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I mean, I grew up in Indiana, um, upper middle class white family. Just not a bad upbringing, honestly. I mean, had my grandparents raised me. Um, dad, real dad, wasn't really in the picture. My mom and stepdad were um, kind of rocky relationship there, and and. Um, my, yeah, like I said, my grandparents raised me for the most part. And I was just, I always had this hole inside, man, that you couldn't fill. And I, I started smoking weed in high school and, and that led to, to drugs and opiate addiction. I broke my hand in high school and ended up on, on Oxycontin. And one thing led to another. And by 17, 18, I was shooting heroin and meth and, and just could never get over that addiction. And, and that led to all kinds of trouble, fighting, stealing. I mean, you name it. It it, it was pretty crazy there for a while from like seven, 16, 17 to 28 was just in and out of prison, jail, homeless, Second, Cody, you mentioned I have like a black hole in your soul. When was the first time you realized that there was something, something missing in you that you were trying to fill up with something else? Is that as a child or I just was curious? Um, whenever I really had understanding of it was after I met Jesus. And I look back and see that 
there was a hole there and I was just trying to fill it with whatever I could at the time. I mean, and it didn't even matter that looking back, I can see like it didn't matter. Even whenever I was off of drugs, I'd have stints where I was off of drugs, but I would be on, I did steroids for a little while and just money or clothes or cars or whatever it was, it was always just something I needed to make me feel better. And I never had that peace. It was just that, that feeling like nothing could ever be enough. Praise God. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you went to high school. Did you graduate high school? We got to about. I got a GED. So first day of my senior year, I got into a fight and got expelled and went and got my GED and was like, I'm done with that. And um, yeah, I, I was always really good in school. I pass all my tests, but never turn in any homework and it like balanced out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ended up with a GED and, and just was right after that high school period, man, I really started to go downhill with the drugs and it was, it was rough. I was homeless all over the country. <laughs> I was, I worked with racehorses for a little while and went to Florida and New York and was all over the place, just strung out and living on the streets. And it was pretty, pretty bad deal, man. Mm -hmm. But then really about 23, 22, 23 is whenever I started to really mess up. I I ended up getting married whenever I was like 21 Mm -hmm. and um, went through a divorce and it really shook me. Cause I had like wanted to believe in Jesus and my wife, her parents were believers and she had took me to church and I'd get to goosebumps, but I kind of brushed it off. Like, Oh, that can't be real. And uh, I even got baptized then. Cause I just, I wanted to do better. I think anybody who's been through addiction and stuff like that can, can relate. It's like as much as you, you want to do the drugs you really hate it inside it's like you're, you're dying it's hell inside of your body <laughs> and, and you don't know how to get out of it and you just reach out for anything and that was what I was doing at that period man is is just really trying anything I could to to get out, get out of that lifestyle and and went into a church that didn't really have a lot of revelation and no power. And I I fell on my face, ended up on drugs again. And then we went through the divorce and it went really crazy. And I ended up in prison. I got high on meth one night and the cops ended up showing up and went to prison for battery on a police officer. And uh, yeah, that was the the longest time I was in prison. That last one was about almost four years. And um, yeah, that I got in there and like my grandpa has been like my best friend my whole life. And at that, through that period, I would like steal their checkbooks, steal guns, steal whatever I could and take it to a pawn shop or, or I wrote thousands of dollars of checks on them. And and they kind of got fed up with it. And my grandpa stopped talking to me during that whole period. And 
my wife had left me and it was, I was just hurting so bad inside, man, that I wanted to make everybody else hurt around me. And I went into prison and was just really, really violent and, and running around with the wrong crowd. I mean, I, I grew up kind of country in Indiana and it seems like those small towns in Indiana, like your mindset almost gravitates towards being isolated in your own race anyway. And whenever I went to prison, it just fueled that because prison's so segregated. And I ended up running around with, like I said, a, a, a white supremacist gang and, and just was really, really bad, really violent. and. Yeah, it was, it was a rough time, man, in prison doing drugs. I mean, I was, I was on Suboxone whenever I went into prison, and mm. they have a lot of Suboxone in there, and I just never stopped, and mm. it was, it was a bad time, man. I was, like I said, it was, it was a whole lot of pain inside, man, and I just wanted to take it out on anybody I could, and yeah. And then I get out of prison and I got in my heart, like, I want to do better. I don't know how to do better because without Jesus, like you can, you can do nothing is what he said. <laughs> it's, it was that when you started to get the tattoos, when you joined the gangs in the prison with, uh, with I see that you have, what is these tattoos? Swastikas <laughs> all over my face. Yeah. I got white power on my mustache. So underneath Swastika. the white house. Yeah. Yeah. SS bolts right here. He then tattooed on one side. It's it and was it's, bad. It's more painful to take the laser to get a, get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, man, it's crazy. I have a friend named David Weil. He's a, he's a big wig in Teen Challenge. And he's one of the guys that that was really instrumental in in helping me to to come to the Lord. And he got me a doctor's appointment to get all my tattoos removed off my face, neck, and hands for free. Wow. And they set up the appointment, and and I was, like, crying to the Lord at that time. Because when you get born again, you get a new heart, yeah. and you start getting convicted, and you're super tender. Your conscience is like a baby's. And and people would look at me all crazy, and I'd, I'd cry about it. And I'd be like, Lord. I, I don't want people to look at me like that. I want a better job. I want people to look at me different. And he's like, no, son, that's my testimony. And man, I cried about it for a good couple of weeks, man. But I was like, all right, Lord. But I yeah. Had, I had a friend with the Hells Angels when I was a Baptist pastor and he had uh, everywhere. And he had a lot of more from a demonic but he went, he had to go to, he, God called him to Muslim country. So he, next to my son, he had on laser. I mean, he was covered also all over. He had on the laser all over. But the major reason for him was he was going into the Muslim world and kind of again undercover. But he was a radical Hells Angels leader, controlled a lot of the methamphetamine in Europe and then radical kind of a conversion. And then the transformation that took place in his life. So it's, uh, that's what I'm saying, that you have a powerful testimony and even, looking I, I looked at your eyes and i could see jesus in your eyes right away so i knew that what was in your heart when i first met you so that's why i was so excited to to hear your story so tell me how, how did you actually meet jesus then you came out of prison 
and then uh, you started, you wanted a little bit better life. Yeah. So I, I mean, after you, I didn't even know if I was going to get out of prison, honestly, the way I was living, uh, that's, I got covered in tattoos thinking this is it. And I got out and I was like, man, I really don't want to go back. And I started to just move my behavior into a better place, trying to, to not be so crazy and, and manage things in my flesh, which didn't work out so well. The addiction was still there. The devils were still there. And so about three months or so, I got out of prison in October of 2018. And a few months after that, I was working for a roofing company and and I started to go through some really crazy stuff because I got to that point where I'm like, I don't know what else to do. And I, I had known that I'd been in church before and, and a girl that I was seeing at the time, her mom was Pentecostal. And so I, I'm like trying to, to start getting out of this hell that I was living in. And, um, and then all hell breaks loose. I start, uh, I'd get held to my bed and feel like I couldn't move. And uh, I'd feel like my feet were on fire and I'd have real blisters all over my feet. I'd feel stuff touch me, feel stuff choke me. And I didn't know what to do, man. I thought I was going crazy. Uh, I got scars all over my arms, cigarette burns. I'd light a cigarette and put it out, light a cigarette, put it out cut myself all up. I tried to hang myself in a closet, uh, ended up on the third floor of a hospital just because I, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. My family thought I was going crazy. They didn't believe me whenever I'd tell them this stuff was happening. And, uh, I mean, I'd have all out knife fights with invisible people. I thought at the time I could feel them touch me. And it was just a really, really hard time, man. And I got to the point where I was like, Jesus, if you're real, I need your help. Mm. And uh, I started hearing his voice. Mm. And he had me fast for three days, no food or water. And uh, like I said, the girl I was dating at the time, her mom was Pentecostal. And I'm going through all this stuff. And like, right in this time period where I was fasting, like I would be with her and like tongues would just fly out of me. And I wouldn't know what to do. And uh, so she takes me to this Pentecostal church that her uncle had started way back in the day. And uh, there's this guy there. He was working on the building. He's like, nobody's here right now, but come back at seven. There's a prayer meeting tonight. And uh, she brought me back that night. And I walked through the door of the church and the altars right by the front door. And uh, as soon as I walk in, I hit my knees at the altar and just started puking. And uh, I just was kind of out of it. And I remember the, the, like the whole congregation swarmed me. And as soon as somebody laid their hands on me, it felt like I went like back in my eyes. And like I was looking down a hallway almost. And I started throwing people around. I bit some people and... They were trying to hold me down. And the next thing you know, I was sitting facing a wall and I saw a little red dot 
on the wall. And I was like, that's so weird. What is that? And there's a cop standing there with a taser. It's like, don't move. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't even know how to explain all this because I didn't grow up in church. I don't know anything about the Lord and all this crazy stuff's just happening. I mean, it was like the exorcist movie, man. I was like freaked out and I didn't even know what to tell him. And, and as I was leaving, this guy, his name was Brother Hattaball. He gave me a piece of paper. He was like, I'm sorry, this wasn't supposed to happen. If you really want help, call this number. And uh, they took, with my record, they were like, whenever they first got there, they were like, you know, we could press battery charges on you for biting these people. Cause they ended up taking one of the, like a 70 year old guy to the hospital because I bit him. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what's going on right now. I didn't even know how to explain it. <laughs> it was just like, I couldn't even hardly talk. I was like, I don't know what you want me to say. And um, they just took me to the hospital and let me go with my record. And I'm like, it had to have been the Lord, man. There's only the only way. And they let me go and I called the number. And a few days later, I ended up at another little Pentecostal church in town. And um, they, they prayed for me and, and I was on the ground, devils moving my body and talking through me. And, and I ended up getting set free and baptized and and at that time, I knew the Holy Spirit was living in me. Like, mm. it, that's whenever, like, everything changed. And it was like night and day. Mm. And, uh, and were yeah. you totally free? The demons has not been back since then? So no. You, yeah, no. Just... I mean, I, I'd like to say I got free from a lot of stuff then. I was still on the Suboxone program whenever I got out. Yeah. But as far as the devils go... I, I really feel like I got free there because I mean, it, it's been like a process. Yeah. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord is in a mirror or transformed in the same image from glory to glory. Yeah. So it's been like a walk since then growing yeah. in God, but sometimes from glory to glory, it looks like this. <laughs> Amen. And if you still go from glory to glory, yeah. <laughs> the preacher in training the pit, right? <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's that's whenever I would say I got completely set free of, of all the demonic. Because yeah. it was like one minute I had this hatred for anybody but white people and mm. just this violence that I couldn't control. And it was like night and day. Mm. I got all those devils left and all that stuff left with it. And it was, it was a really crazy period right after I got saved. Like the first year I was just learning who I was because without all that, I'm just Cody. And mm -hmm. I didn't really know with all the addiction and everything throughout my life, I hadn't really lived. So it was a period of like a year mm -hmm. really learning who I am, which was, it was it was an intense year, man. Yeah. Tell me a little bit, because one of the things about the love of God, the love of the Father, the love of Jesus, uh, how did you start? Because, I mean, you're talking about you were full of hatred, 
and you hate certain groups. But after the Holy Spirit came in, what has been some of your journey of experiencing the love of God? And even now, I saw that when I gave you a hug, I, I see that you are a lover. <laughs> you certainly now love people. So this guy, because you couldn't give that if you didn't first receive it. So that's just a simple. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the love of God and the love awakening God has given in your life. Yeah, I mean, it started off, I mean, one of the first times I really noticed that he had changed my heart and I could really love people again was I, I met this, this black guy in Indiana right before I left and I was going through crazy craziness after I got born again. Like I would still be in my room and I could see devils walk in and it'd feel like I was getting choked and it was just a crazy time. And he would pray for me and, and just, re we really bonded. And one of my Facebook, that's, I changed my Facebook picture from a crazy looking picture of me to me and that guy. And, and that's whenever I really can look back and remember, like things were really changed. And then, I mean, dude, since then, I mean, I don't know how many testimonies I have of just coming into a situation or meeting somebody on the street. And because of the love that he's poured into me, whenever I'm seeking him alone, that people just feel it or see it like David, I never would have been here if, if Jesus hadn't changed my life, man, it's like, but I'm white, so then would, uh, you and I may would, <laughs> as a white person, that would be a little easier before. No, I'm just joking. No. I'm as blonde and white as you can get it, so. Praise God. Yeah. Hey, it's, but yeah, that's, and I mean, it totally changes your mindset because before you meet Jesus, and even unfortunately, sometimes after, you think of you, yourself, 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 and after you get born again, you start looking outside and, and seeing how you can help people. Like I remember I would just, I would help my, my grandparents. I was staying with my grandparents at the time because whenever I got born again, I was engaged to this girl and living with her and got super convicted and ended up having to move back in with my grandparents. And, and I would just help them out around the house doing all kinds of stuff and go my grandma was going through some health stuff at the time and I would go and visit her in the hospital and be praying for everybody in the hospital and you it would just it flows out of you whenever you get filled truly filled because I mean you can have a an experience and write it off but whenever the Holy Ghost really comes and resides it it you shine it flows out you can't you can't hold it in Praise God. <laughs> but yeah, that would be that would be the biggest marker I, I would say in change from the very beginning is looking outside of myself and and caring after the things of others. Hmm. It's, it's so how did how did your grandparents because you stole the checkbook, you stole from them, <laughs> took everything and pawned it and everything. I mean, you could care less. As long as you got your fix, your need, self in the center. And now the transformation that this love 
has done in your life? How has that changed in regard to your relationship? Did it take a while for trust to come back or could they start to see the difference? Because how did they, after you have lost the trust, how did you build trust back again? Well, my grandma, she was raised in the church. Mm. And so it was a little easier there. Honestly, whenever all this happened, they thought I was crazy. Mm. I mean, I went from running around doing drugs and gangbanging to carrying a Bible. I mean, I'd take my Bible to work. I read the Bible all the time. I'd wake up at five in the morning and read and then go to work and read. And they thought I was crazy. And it actually got to a point where my grandpa was like, if you keep this Jesus crap up, you're going to be out on your butt. Mm -hmm. And they were in the beginning, honestly, there was no change. I mean, they let me stay there, which was a big change, but they, they really didn't believe that it was true. I don't think they thought I was just losing was, my mind. It's another addiction for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, that, that's been a process. I, yeah. So I, about four months after I got saved, the Lord had me quit my job in India, in Indiana. And, um, he led me out to Colorado. He's like, it's time to go. And I quit a job in the middle of the day, told my boss, I was like, look, I don't know where I'm going, but I got to leave. And I left Indiana with like $43 and he got me all the way to Colorado supernaturally. I'd be out of gas in the middle of nowhere. And I'd come out from a store crying, like, what do you want me to do, Lord? And there'd be $20 under my windshield wiper and led me out to Colorado I met my wife. I met a roommate at a gas station. She's from Indiana as well. She was out here going to Karis Bible College. Mm. And her roommate introduced us and took me to a conference. And I got hit with the power of God. My life changed again. And she actually, because I, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. I took the battery out and threw it in the glove box and was just alone with Jesus for about two months on the way out here. And finally, she's like, have you talked to your parents? Because it was my birthday. And I'm like, no, not since I left. And she's like, you really need to call your parents. And I called back. And like, the Lord in that time had done so much reconciliation. I mean, we went back, she took me back home with her for Christmas. And, um, night and day man and it was like it, nothing ever happened <laughs> he, he restored everything even with my grandpa and he, it was like i had hurt him so bad and he was just really in a in a hard spot <laughs> trying to love because he he doesn't really know the lord and he loved me but it was like i'd done so much and he completely reconciled all that i mean i talk to him every day now just about <laughs> it's like my mom calls me telling me she misses me. It's like, dude. Mm. So he reconciled all that over a period of time. Mm. And now you're part of a church there in Colorado. Of course, I, I saw your pastor behind you a little earlier and, and uh, I met him also at the event. So you live in, is it Colorado Springs that is home to you now? Yeah, Colorado Springs. I'm what not... is the church that you guys are? I, I forgot about that. Um, so it's the Jesus Church of Colorado Springs. 
Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really awesome church, man. He uh he's an awesome pastor and he just runs after the presence of God. That's that's one thing that I can say that that really marks our church is is worship and running after his presence. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. What are you dreaming of these days? I mean, I know you we talk about the past and what Jesus has set you free from, but what are you sensing that love is calling you to do? Uh what is God speaking to you in this season? I know I met your wife, and do you have also children? And I saw there were some children when we were there in Colorado. Praise God. Yeah, I have a, a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Praise God. And just tell me about that also, because, again, there must be something with a person. Now you have received love, but how does it feel to be a father and the love that flows to those children? Just to describe that. <laughs> It's hard to even put into words. <laughs> the first time I, I held my son, the Lord was like, I'm like crying about to lose it. And the Lord's like, that's how I see you. Man, it was, you came, you came to Castle Rock last year for the, the conference with Dan Moeller. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the people, Dan Moeller, the Lord had me listening to for a long time. And yeah. I'm like, Lord, I got to see the Dan Muller conference. Well, I got free tickets to the conference and <laughs> our baby was born the day after that conference. <laughs> uh, <wow>. <laughs> and I'm already a mess from the conference. <laughs> and I cried for like the first week, man. It was just really intense seeing a picture of the father's love for us in my heart in real life. It's, it's really surreal, man. Even now, like just the way you look at a, your, your son and the way he runs around. And if he goes to bump his head on something, you're like, oh, no, come here. It's like you're so protective of him and, and your heart just burns. And knowing that, like the, the Lord said, if, if you are evil and know how to give your children good gifts, oh my it's God. like yeah. my love is is nowhere compared to the father's and and just. It blows your mind. I, it's, it's hard to even put into words hmm. what it does in your heart living through that. Yeah. What, because again, we talk about this is so much my journey and my experiencing also where you talk about that father's heart and the father's love. And, and I think as you're saying, I remember also when I hold my son, he was the firstborn. We have four. They all grown. So this is a long time ago, 32 some years ago. But here, I still remember it did something that changed in the way I started to open up for the Father heart of God. So, but I know this, the world is like an orphanage. And so many people are still out there that have never experienced the love that the Father has. And he wants his kids back. And so many kids have a wrong view of him and everything else. So what would you say to some other people? Some people are still struggling with hate or fear or prejudice or all kinds of issues. What would be some advice you could give them in regard to experiencing this incredible love awakening that, that Papa God wants them to have? Because you have experienced it. But what would be the words to people that are out there that are still wrestling? I, yesterday I mentioned, I, I spoke at George and Bonoff in both of his schools. And I started describing it, but it was one of the girls who said, hey, I, I feel comfortable with the love of Jesus. I just can't trust God as a father. And I knew she had a lot of father issues. We talked through that at minister last night. And so many people out there, they don't know 
a God that looks like Jesus. They don't know a father that loves them as much as Jesus loves them. So what is your experience and what could you share with some of the people, Cody? Man, so I like I shared a little bit about the things I went through in the mm -hmm. beginning and like how devils would walk in my room and this fear would grip me and and I would be reading the Bible and the Lord would give me a, a scripture to go to and I'd start reading and he'd like no read out loud and I'd start reading out loud and I'd get goosebumps all over me and feel like I was shaking and everything would go away and I'd fall asleep reading the Bible and over and over him coming through like that every time I needed him, every time I was in a situation where I didn't know what to do, he came through. I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a, a father growing up. He left and, and my life was really crazy, but after seeing how good he was coming through for me like that, I fell in love. Like we just built such an intimate relationship like the enemy came and tried to take me out, but the Lord used it to draw me into him. So, I mean, my situation's a little different. I, I can't, I can't really answer that question very well because I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't have a father growing up and I had probably one of the worst relationships you could think of yeah. as a father figure, but he, man, you, you get a hold of his goodness. It says you, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And if you get real with God and you seek him with your whole heart, he'll show up just like he did for me. He's no respecter of persons. And if you really go after him, you'll find the same God that I found. I know that. I heard a story also, I mean, because I'm sure now just with you having some of the tattoos that is so visible, when the Black Lives Matter is happening and there's been all these different tension, how has that affected you with, especially in today's climate where we just went through two years, but, but all the tension that's been going on. Have you been, I mean, here you are, because people would like to judge a book by its cover, but they, they don't open up the book enough to read it sometimes. So have you been affected then by people think that you're full of hate or people just still today when actually on the inside, you're full of love. So it's like, uh, because I was just curious, uh, how would that make you feel? Yeah, yeah. I've so whenever I first got saved, um, Antifa, they posted my picture all over the neighborhood that that my grandparents lived in, in bars and WalMarts and bathrooms all over town, in the town that I grew up, and uh, had my picture, my home address, my truck description all that and uh i'd have people following me around and i had just got born again and i'm like all tender-hearted and i didn't know what to do i emailed them was like look i gave my life to god i don't think like that anymore and they never really responded and my truck ended up getting burnt to the ground in mm. the middle of the night one night and uh can't say for a hundred percent fact that that's what happened, but I believe in my heart it is. I mean, the state police and FBI investigated it. And so, I mean, I've, I've had experience with that okay. since I got, I hate crimes, right. Hey, 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 praise God. 
and that's all that's all it is honestly is 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 devils being deceived i mean it's hate trying to fight hate and that doesn't work and um i mean even since then i mean i pray for people a lot on the streets that's really where i feel called it's is on the streets and man people give me these crazy looks even believers like since since he's told me not to get them removed i've seen him use it in so many weird ways like i'll just be walking down the street and a black guy be walking towards me i'll be lord bless you man you're a believer after he's just looking at me with this crazy look and he's like how do you know that i'm like the holy spirit and they're like uh (laughs) so he like he uses that and and i've seen unfortunately even a lot of people in the body that they just don't have the revelation of love that that are still deceived in that area man but it gives them a tremendous opportunity and part of the reason i want of course uh, this podcast we have what we call kingdom family that's what you've been part of both when dan moeller came with me on he's been a friend for close to 20 years and i remember the early days when he brought todd white that was just a brand new believer so he was a similar he had just got saved and started bringing him to some of our events and we did some different things together so that whole journey so i think that there's a lot of people out there that this is part of the reason i want not just the book to come out but also the message and the podcast is the tsunami wave of love that is going to touch people i want everyone to do as you know my story are going into the darkest muslim places but I, some of my closest feeling to you is when I show up with a, an imam or a Taliban-looking guys and show up in the, uh, even in the deep south. I lived in Alabama when I brought top Muslim leaders to come and show up in Alabama and go to Cracker Barrel to see how people were looking. It's like, this is such, and then it, the, the terrorist has come to town. And so you're in the deep south. So I, I learned that walking hand in hand with a Muslim imam through the airport in Atlanta, and things like that, that uh, that's been my world. And I'm heading over there to Afghanistan and Pakistan. And I go to a lot of, and learning the language of love to change atmosphere and everything else. So I think it's very, very beautiful, the testimony you have and, and the testimony of Jesus, how that's going to help to release other people to learn how to love, but also to be able to recognize you according to the spirit. That's the first thing I saw when I saw you at one of say, hey, can I get a hug from you, buddy? <laughs> there's something with my brother here he has the same love he has the same spirit that i have and so that's why i think it's so encouraging is there something here that i don't know if you have written any books or have any stories or anything out there yet or but i just uh i wanted at least for other people also to get to know you and i want everyone that is watching and pastors or anybody else to i want us to pray for cody he has a very special calling special ministry over his life and for all of us anything we can do as a family, as you know, that we are a big, nice kingdom family around the world. And, and, and you're welcome to the kingdom family table. I'm, I'm proud to have a brother like you. And an honor to have a brother like you that love like you and love Jesus like you, that you love him with all of your heart, your soul and your mind. And you love your neighbor as you love yourself now. And, and your neighbor, it doesn't matter who your neighbor is. You can love anyone because of the way he's loved you. So is there anything we can do for you? Or how can we pray for you and your wife and, and your kids in this season, Cody? Yeah, I mean, keep us in prayer. I, uh, about a year after I came out to Colorado, the Lord sent us out. He had to sell everything and we went on the road. 
just ministering. We'd just follow the Holy Ghost wherever he'd lead us and seen a lot of lives changed. And, and it was really awesome. Just didn't have a ministry name, didn't have anything, but he took care of us. We'd show up somewhere and people would just be like, hey, the Lord told me to give you this. Paid all of our bills. And, and it was a really, really fruitful time. And then he said, all right, now go back to Colorado. And we came back out here and just been planted for a season. But honestly, my wife has been feeling it as well. I feel like we're getting ready to start moving around again and, and ministering again. So just prayers for that and wherever the Lord leads us, man. Praise God. And that, that's very beautiful. I don't know. Do you have a website or something that we can make sure that we put up? I didn't know if you have any for your ministry. No, no I, like I said, I've, I've, I've just lived as a son, man. Yep, I haven't no, had I've... a ministry name. I've just been out in the back 40 with dad taking care of sheep, killing bears and lions, man, I up to it. this point. I love it. I love it. Yeah, but, that's, but you are in a very beautiful season. And I just wanted to pray over you right now. Uh, but before you do that, do you mind just also praying a blessing over people that are watching for a fresh baptism of love for them to just encounter Papa's love? Because I think that's what you are teaching us is the language of love, because he has <laughs> taught you the language of love. That is the language the blind eyes can see and the deaf ears can hear. So do you mind just blessing the people that are watching? And I wanted to pray over you and your family, Cody. Yeah, Jesus. So, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I just pray for anyone watching this who's seeking your face, who wants the God that I just shared. I pray that you just baptize them in love, Lord, in Jesus' name. Show them who you are in the name of Jesus, and I pray that you empower them to be lights in the darkness in Jesus' name so that people would see their good works and glorify their Father in heaven, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland. And sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.